365 Success app offers a simple daily tip for a more balanced life. 365 Success is a one-year plan over six levels where a new tip is displayed each day. The people behind 365 Success are academic and creative life hackers Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, Dr. Graham Hughes and Marie O'Riordan. Discover 365 Success, available now in the App Store. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Purple Psychology. I'm Marie O'Riordan. Thank you for listening in 26 countries. Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, welcome. Thank you. We are talking about something very close to both of our hearts, and that is legacy, the legacy effect, and the importance of your name. Yes, I, I've, I, I've been thinking about this one for a while, and I decided to go back through a lot of the big families in history and look at... Um, well, first of all, I was looking to see a trend, like, are do successful people produce successful kids, or is it actually a bit of a hindrance having highly achieving parents? Because I know this is one of the, the conversations we've had a lot, and a lot of people do... Um, mere mortals even have to try and live up to their own parents who haven't necessarily been in the mass media and so on. But I thought that there was something more than that going on. So I started to look at the big families and how the names were carried down through the generations. Sure, to get into specifics, we looked at royal families, dynasties, big banking families for hundreds and hundreds of years, and also political families around the world. And you saw some common themes. Yes, if you had the name um, that had gone in the family, and if you were an eldest child given that name, you would more than likely be successful. Now, if you weren't the eldest child given the name, um, you might not be successful. And if you're given a different name, you more than likely will go into a different field and sort of tweak what the family do. So you'll, you'll move into another area of business or in another area of expertise that they haven't previously thought of. Um, but if you have the same name, you'll more than likely stay working in the same genre, the same area that your parents have worked in with that name or your grandparents with that name. I've heard you have discussions with people in the past about someone who influenced you from France. Yes, I'm a massive fan of François Dalto's work. Um, it's not that well known because a lot of it's not translated into English, so it be, can be quite hard to find her work. Um, there's a couple of different things about her that I really like. Um, she uh, had a radio show for years, but she refused to have people just phone in and ask questions. She made everybody sit down and write a letter, even like when this was still running in the 80s and, you know, that seemed quite archaic and very behind the times. But her idea was that if you actually sat down and wrote out your problem or your situation, you were forcing yourself to think about it more and you probably would already have the answer yourself before she actually got around to talking about it on the radio station. That's fascinating. She must have been on the radio for years then. Yeah, like she had, she, she worked, she worked right up um, until her, her old age, like she kept going. She was a, a fantastic woman and actually from quite a well-to-do family and it, it would, her era, she would have been quite taboo for her to go off and have a career as such as a woman. So she broke all the rules. Um, the other side that I really like about her and to join this back into the whole legacy is that, yes, having the name and having the legacy and knowing what's gone on before you and, and the expectations of you seem quite important. But actually what she showed was that it doesn't really matter what someone has done in your family, it only matters how they're talked about. So it's what other people say about them and the language that they use um, to associate with the person and their deeds and the sort of idea of whether it was good or bad or, 
or indifferent or whether it was significant, that that language and how you talk about people is far more important than what they actually did. It's fascinating that that perception can have an impact. Yes, and, and I think... I think this is particularly obvious when you start to look at, you know, the, the lower social classes or, you know, the people who are struggling in our society and you start to see, like, why... Which is across the board here. Yes, and, and, and you know, the generation gap and the economic gap, sorry, and the economic gap are getting wider and wider. And, you know, the amount of people who are trying to, to battle their way out of situations or be the first in their family to go to college and so on. Like, it, it's quite scary that in, in our lifetime, that's actually got harder for people. And, and I'm watching it. And it's very important how they feel that they're talked about in society and how they're placed and how their siblings are talked about and their grandparents. And in fact, in one particular um, generation of people in Ireland, there was no mothers. A lot of the mothers died, so a lot of grandparents brought the children up. Um, you know, it, it was it was quite, it, it was a very bad situation where there was a, there was a lot of uh, drug abuse. And there was one generation in particular that were completely wiped out in certain, certain walks of life. And, um, and that's had massive implications in, in terms of legacy. That's incredible that you've been, I guess, a part of their restructuring of their lives, if you like. Yes, and uh, and, and like, you know, the, the core values for these people are what really matters and the way that they're talked to and the level of respect they're given and the sort of language that are used to them. And, you know, I think one of my most significant experiences was um, my first teaching job was when I was 12. And I went around a lot of the, the summer project schools and uh, I was supposed to be a helper, but I ended up being promoted to a teacher very quickly. And I realised that the way the people were spoken to and the expectation on them of, of the people that were running these these camps had a massive impact. And, and I was horrified at some of the ways that they spoke to them. And I was horrified to see that there's actually a different decibel level that's used. If you, And you, people can go to whatever city they want or whatever country and look at this. When you're from a certain economic background, people talk louder and they don't talk to you, they scream at you. And they scream at you from a young child um, and the parents do it, the grandparents do it, and then they talk louder and then they get into more trouble and there's this whole vortex that goes on. But we actually talk louder to people from certain backgrounds. I found this fascinating a couple of years ago when you and I were invited by a government organisation to go into, um, oh, I don't know if there is a politically correct term for it, but a, 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 an area that had social difficulties, well, I put it that way. Yes. In a capital city in Europe. Yes. And it was absolutely fascinating to actually reveal to this government agency and show the decibel effect. They were gobsmacked. Yes, and so, you know, there's everybody goes on about, you know, the environment and how pretty it is or otherwise and, you know, how clean it is and we're all looking around at that. But I don't, I don't think, I think the language used and the, the, the level that the language is used at and the expectation behind it and the bigger assumptions and the way that I perceive your grandmother's uh, life have far bigger significance than, you know, what colour your walls are. It was interesting to track the language patterns and the positive and negative language in that. I found that hugely impactful. Yes, and, and I... I, I think it's only when we start to look at these things on a really deep level and, and look at the way that we talk to people and the assumptions that are behind it that we're really going to see a difference.
So from one aspect of communication to another and stuttering. Now, working in my media career, I would have worked with people who would have had stutters and found ways to cope through the actual medium of broadcasting, which was fascinating. But also, similarly, I've worked with clients and helped them to get through their stutter. And so have you when it comes to students. Yes, and I, I, everybody has seen, you know, the film The King's Speech, um, which is a fantastic example. And one of one of the ideas that's key in that is that if you can't hear yourself talking, you don't stutter. Um, but there's different reasons why people stutter. Obviously, there's emotional turmoil and, you know, things can happen. It's different even for broadcasters and people not in broadcasting. Yes, but one of um, the interesting things for me is that, and you, you know, I've had this debate with you, like, I don't like listening to myself and I find it very hard to think if there is an echo. So if I make a call um, and there's an echo on the phone, I actually have to hang up and call the person back because I can't think if I hear myself talking, I, I can't actually continue to talk fluently. Um, I find it really, really disruptive. So certain people, the way that they process as well, that has a big, a big effect on how they talk. Whereas I've been listening to my own voice back through headphones since I was 13 years of age and I have no difficulty with that. Yes, but I, I have huge difficulty with it um, and it, it, it really throws me off. Um, like there's, there is an element that you always sound different to how you hear yourself and it's a very good exercise for people when they aren't speaking clearly and that's due to generally auditory processing disorders and their speeches, you know, the syllables are, are not quite in the right order um, and that's slightly different and it's very beneficial for them to actually hear themselves and to hear how other people hear them because that's not the same as how they're hearing themselves in their head. But for people who actually have difficulty processing and filtering over noise, um, they can't actually talk hearing themselves and so quite a lot of people are stuttering. That's the reason that they're stuttering. So there's, an again, we, we make a lot of generic assumptions that everybody that stutters that something emotional must have happened in their past but that's not necessarily the case that was episode 14 of purple psychology i'm maria reardon thank you for listening further details from purplepsychology.com dr nisha o'reilly thank you so much thank you 365 success app offers a simple daily tip for a more balanced life 365 success is a one-year plan over six levels where a new tip is displayed each day the people behind 365 Success are academic and creative life hackers Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, Dr. Graham Hughes and Marie O'Reardon. Discover 365 Success, available now in the App Store.